Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We are going to look at the China-Taiwan conflict and crisis as right now Speaker Pelosi, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, is visiting in Taiwan even as we speak. And it is the first House Speaker since Newt Gingrich. So uh, you have to go back a number of years. It's been over 20-some years since a Speaker of the U.S. House, highest official in the U.S. government, that's visited the island nation of Taiwan. Now, China, of course, has been doing saber-rattling over the last few days. In fact, I'm reading from Fox News. It states, China enraged after Pelosi lands in Taiwan promises all necessary measures to defend itself. Well, this is all but ridiculous. Uh, Taiwan, of course, is where uh, the free Chinese, after the communists took over mainland China, went to uh, to the island nation of Taiwan. And the United States has and does have business and uh, national interest in Taiwan. In fact, most of our microchips are now produced in the nation of Taiwan. We've actually had a supply chain issue. That's why during COVID you couldn't get automobiles off the line because uh, of the microchip production was uh, scaled way back, and so you had a lot of vehicles in 2020 sitting on uh, lots across the um, landscape, uh, trucks and vehicles and cars. Uh, but then the new administration, the Biden administration, took advantage of that. So some of us are wondering why we can't buy discounted cars that have been sitting in lots for a couple of years after the chips came in. Well, the environmentalist, uh, the new woke administration under Biden, took advantage of that and start pushing electric cars and all this. And, and, and folks, I'm sure that the, you can see smoke coming up my ears. Uh, it's going to be a long time before we transfer over to electric vehicles or, or alternative uh, you know, sourcing of energy. And really, these people just want to restrict us from travel. Let's, let's be honest about it. And I'm really upset with some Republicans that don't want to talk about that problem. But anyways, that, that issue aside right now, Nancy Pelosi is there in the nation island nation of Taiwan, largest uh, 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 public figure from the United States. Now, congressmen uh, traverse there all the time, both Democrat and Republican, but this is the first time a Speaker of the House has been there in over 20 years. And China, that's been flexing its muscle militarily, politically, and in every other way, uh, we, you know, through our buying all of our trinkets at Walmart, we've strengthened this administration and, you know, this Chinese Communist Party over there in China. And quite honestly, they are the number one threat to the United States, not Russia, but China. And so that's a little different than the narrative you're hearing on the national media. My guest is going to talk about this. He and I have been talking offline for some time about this. Uh, you know him as Greg Lawson. Uh, he is a chief uh, political analyst for uh, a senior analyst for the Buckeye Institute. But he's coming on today under this title. He is going to be talking to us. It's Greg Lawson. is a contributing contributing analyst with Wikistrat affiliation. Wikistrat is a global online network of over five thousand subject matter experts to help decision makers identify solutions to complex strategic challenges. Welcome with me my guest, 
and analyst Greg Lawson to talk about the China problem. Greg, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this, even though it's uh, a concerning time period for us. Without question. I mean, the rhetoric coming from state officials in China talking about really shooting down Shooting down the the speaker's plane, okay, this was one state official, not just some crackpot or some oddball in their military. This is one of their state officials saying that, uh, and, of course, that did not happen. Uh, the United States is prepared. They have an aircraft carrier, too, in the region. We still have military all over the South Pacific, uh, in Japan and other places and in Korea. So, you know, this is China flexing its muscle, and, and tensions are getting high. I Look, I went out to the store today, and I was really trying not to buy Chinese product or anything bought, uh, you know, sold in China. I'm tired of giving those people money. They oppress uh, the minorities within their country. Uh, Christians and other religious minorities are horribly oppressed and even genocide. But the most of the world turns a deaf ear because they don't want to deal with the monster dragon of China. Your thoughts? Well, look, uh, you know, and we've talked about this for quite some time, Chris, uh, the challenge is China is a multi, uh, is, is a threat across many different spectrums. I mean, uh, for the United States, you're thinking about the, the 21st century, the next hundred years. Uh, who, who's going to, in essence, really kind of craft the rules of the world? It's probably most likely going to be that it continuing to be the United States, which has done that, or it's going to be China. Uh, and China is a growing power, uh, much more powerful today than they were uh, you know, 50 years ago, even 30 years ago, even 20 years ago, and this is a this this incident what we're watching right now is is so scary because it's escalating a situation that uh, people who follow this very closely know is a big deal, which is the Taiwan issue, and this goes back many years. We can talk some about the history of this, uh, but the bottom line is uh, we have to be prepared to deal with the long term challenge of China. There's really hardly any issue uh, that confronts Americans today that doesn't in some way or another touch on China. Uh, COVID obviously originated in China, whether it was the lab or whether it was an accident. You know, it was really the wet market, uh, but they certainly lied about it. They grounded planes at home and then let foreign planes go out and spread COVID. Uh, and we still haven't gotten clear answers from the Chinese government who uses their influence in the World Health Organization to avoid scrutiny and accountability. Uh, that's the greatest mass disruption of most of our lifetimes here in America. Uh, you know, obviously we have a lot of problems with how our own government officials handled it, but at the end of the day, it came originally from China, and we should acknowledge that and recognize that. A lot of the fentanyl that's coming into the United States through Mexico originates in China first. It's almost like a reverse opium war uh, on America. Uh, and, and, of course, there's the issue with the microchips. You mentioned that earlier. There's, there's the supply chains uh, that have all gone into China. This is a, a massive, massive issue. You just the, the influence they have on big uh, corporate America, because corporate America wants to make money in China, uh, is you, you really cannot overstate how influential uh, this is. And so when we see a situation where we have government officials, you know, using what can only be described as very intense rhetoric, talking about shooting down one of the, the top officials of the United States, I mean, the Speaker of the House, like her, hate her, whatever you think about Nancy Pelosi, She's number three in line to the presidency. Um, so this. Oh, a, a listen. It was. Let, let, let me interrupt you there because it was a Republican congressman that stated the obvious when that statement was put out by a state official of China about the um, 
the possibility of stri- shooting down the plane that the Speaker of the House would be on, he said that would be an act of war. So this is how, and, and folks, if you've not been paying attention to this story, okay, and I know that the media uh, really hasn't been uh, showcasing this and for whatever reason, but, and, and well, <laughs> we can guess what kind of reason. Chinese interests are all over in this country. They own Hollywood. They own a lot of, uh, they have uh, financial interest and in even network television folks. So we're not always getting the news uh, that we should that's, um, that's accurate against China as an a- uh, absolutely an enemy of the United States because they have become that. Well, let's go back a little bit historically here, Greg, for, our, for the listeners' sake. Let's go back to, as the, the saying was, only Nixon could go to China. What are we talking about? We're talking about way back then in the early 70s when Richard Nixon went to China and opened up what was a closed society. The communist state was a closed society. It was, back, it was backwards. It was uh, feudal, still had the feudal system. Uh, most of them were, uh, you know, in the countryside were farmers. They was undeveloped. Uh, they weren't technologically advanced. Uh, and it was Richard Nixon who really had an animus towards the communists, uh, and, and yet he's the one that made the overture to go to China with Harry, uh, Henry Kissinger to open up China. And later in his life, before his death, he said, I fear all we've done is created a Frankenstein. Your thoughts? Uh, well, I think Nixon was absolutely correct. And, and I'll clarify, I... I believe that what Nixon did in the context of the Cold War was the right decision. You have to understand his goal in going to China was a geopolitical goal. This was before the business community, you know, was trying to go and make a lot of money in the marketplace. This was a situation where China and the then Soviet Union were actually having real conflicts. There was actually a near war between the Soviet Union and China. And uh, what Nixon, uh, I think, quite adroitly recognized was if we can get China to pivot more to us than to the Soviet Union, that really puts a lot more pressure on the Soviet Union. you got to remember, at that time, the Soviet Union was the main challenge. It was the main threat to the United States and to the free world. And working with China to put pressure on the Soviet border was a very smart, uh, somewhat ruthless move, but it was smart within that context. The problem, and Nixon recognizes towards the end of his life, is that that rationale completely changed uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed. Um, you know, Russia... Is a, was a vastly weaker state uh, than the Soviet Union was. And frankly, Russia, while stronger than they were then, is still a weak state relative uh, uh, to the United States today. Uh, so the entire rationale that Nixon had evaporated when the Soviet Union collapsed. But what had happened in those intervening years is American businesses had got a taste of the market, and they got a taste of labor costs and cheap labor, and to be able to make goods more cheaply and things like that. Uh, so that was something that changed everything. So then the business community came in and said, we want to maintain these relationships. So as you saw the original reason go away, you had business reasons take over. And I think you also saw a lot of subsequent American leaders, um, frankly, were naive. Uh, they thought that, hey, China's eventually going to become like the United States. Well, that's really just not true. China, whether it was Mao Zedong, whether it was Deng Xiaoping who succeeded Mao Zedong, whether it's uh, the current leader, Xi Jinping, whoever it is, China is not the United States, never has been, and certainly the Communist Party doesn't think of itself uh, in the same way that we do. We wanted something to be true that wasn't true. China was never likely to become like us, but we had an entire generation, in fact, more than one generation, of politicians, 
business leaders, Hollywood and culture shaping folks, uh, all saying, hey, they're going to be like us. And so what happened is we really didn't focus on them. Uh, we actually strengthened them in many, many ways. And this was the great mistake. And this is what Nixon at least recognized at the end of his life. And uh, unfortunately, uh, none of the leaders, until Donald Trump uh, came along, really changed that direction. And to be fair, President Trump is the person who really started to recalibrate policy towards China. And uh, he really was a sea change in the way that all of the Washington, D.C. elite uh, the foreign policy people, I mean, all these people who, who make foreign policy in, in Washington, they all go to the same schools. They all think the same way. Uh, they don't think like Main Street America. They think like Wall Street America. They think like uh, those kind of elites that are people that they, they call them kind of the cosmopolitan elites who are the people who are, uh, you know, wealthy and all that stuff in other countries. They have more in common with people in other countries than they do, frankly, with uh, the average American and certainly the average Ohioan. Uh, yet those were the people who were driving our policy for decades until Trump came along. And Biden then has unfortunately come back in and has reversed some of the very important things that uh, Trump had done to begin to confront China. And this was happening even before COVID. And, and then, of course, Trump tried to ratchet it up after COVID. Uh, and so it's a real missed opportunity uh, that we don't have a president, whether it's Trump or somebody else, who recognizes the challenges of China and is willing to uh, create a, a strategy to deal with, a comprehensive strategy to deal with it. Because again, this is this is something where it, it's not just a military problem, it's an economic problem. It's We've spent 50 years, you know, creating supply chains in China and, and changing how we do our entire economy, you know, where they became a critical piece of it, the critical piece in many respects. You can't just, uh, you know, wave a magic wand and undo that overnight. But we need to start doing it, and we need to start doing it quickly, or uh, these kind of situations, like what we're seeing now, this heightened tension, this this risk of something happening. I don't think they're going to shoot her down. They obviously didn't. She's landed safely. Uh, I don't think they're going to shoot her when she leaves or any crazy things like that. But they're going to probably, they've already started putting airplanes into Taiwanese airspace. Uh, they're definitely moving their military around on the Chinese mainland. There's probably going to be some very serious military exercises uh, uh, as soon as she leaves that is intended directly to intimidate Taiwan we got a bunch of ships over there. We've moved ships over there, actually. <laughs> and so this is where things get dicey. Um, I'm not sure that I see them literally going and invading Taiwan in the next week or anything. But what happens if there's a conflict and they hit one of our ships or ram a ship or there's miscommunications, somebody fires on somebody because they think somebody is being aggressive, whether they were or they weren't. This is where things happen. And people have to kind of think about the fact that, um, you know, the World War One started because... Uh, the Archduke of, of the Austro-Hungarian Empire at the time got shot in Sarajevo. That event in and of itself shouldn't have led to the, you know, then at that point in history, the worst war in world history, only to be succeeded by World War II, right? Well, that happened because of what should have been a relatively, it was a significant event, but it should have been relatively minor. It shouldn't have blown up into tens of millions of people being killed. But it did. We are talking with Greg uh, Lawson, and uh, he is an analyst, and we're talking about the China-Taiwan situation. As Speaker Nancy Pelosi is currently uh, in Taiwan on a uh, visit, uh, I'm looking at the plane, and actually the plane that she's um, flying in is well-marked, United States of America. It's got the American flag. It's well 
marked. There's no reason to believe that there would be an accidental shootdown if she uh, if there's a problem with her plane after she leaves Taiwan. Uh, high, uh, tensions are high, folks, right now with China. Uh, look, conservatives for the last quarter century century have been blowing the whistle, uh, sounding the alarm on China. Uh, they blocked and attempted to block and tell politicals do not give China most favored nation status. Uh, that happened years ago. It should not have happened because of the humanitarian uh, violations of China uh, with their own people and religious minorities within uh, their borders. And yet uh, the Clinton administration uh, gave them in trade supercomputers. That's how we see a technologically advanced China now that is rivaling the United States. Now, they've not exceeded our military strength, but they are rivaling. And so we are we have a serious problem with the Red Dragon. There was a book written some years ago called Red Dragon Rising. And now we see that it has come full-blown at a time in which the United States is actually weakened with its leadership. And no one can question that uh, we have a, a, a uh, president right now that is not fully with it. So uh, we are at a weak moment. We do not have a strong leader like President Trump, who actually imposed tariffs on China. Uh, they wanted to see him gone. The question is still is, are they interfering with U.S. elections? And I'm, I'm sure that they are trying to and do interfere, and they, they fund uh, voter registration efforts that would work against conservative leaders in the United States. There's no doubt about that, and evidence is coming out all the time, including Russia. So they're tag-teaming on that to wreak havoc in this great republic, in a free and open society in which we have open elections. Uh, just like the terrorists took opportunity when we had an open and free society to uh, commandeer the planes on 9-11, excuse me, and drive them into uh, the Twin Towers and into the Pentagon uh, and attempted to do it in the U.S. Capitol. So what are we dealing with is this threat. Uh, with us is Greg Lawson. He's an analyst. We're talking about the crisis potential crisis between China and Taiwan, and Nancy Pelosi is the highest elected official in nearly a quarter century. Uh, the last one was Newt Gingrich. Now, members of Congress have gone there. Other uh, officials of government have gone to Taiwan, of course, because they are a trading partner. Uh, we have relationships with that free nation, and uh, China wants to, in its greed, in its arrogance, wants to take over, just like it did Hong Kong, and they want to suppress any kind of freedoms and liberties, and this is a tyrannical, uh, autocratic, uh, communist regime. Uh, and they are here in this United States. They're listening to this program right now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you right now. And uh, they have spies all over this country, and they're very subversive. And, uh, of course, they're also in the public um, boardroom. Uh, they're in the corporate boardrooms of America. They're at the, uh, they own Hollywood. Uh, they, they dictate a lot of terms. The NBA, the National Basketball Association, is all but owned by the communist Chinese because that's who fuels them with money. That's why you see LeBron James and others not criticizing China. Uh, you know, this is really a terrible thing, Greg. Uh, you've been talking to me offline about this for some time, wanting to come on the program. Uh, we just have about five minutes left. Uh, tell me where you think this is going. Well, I think it's pretty clear that this is it's it's an escalation. Uh I think that what this is going to show is is that China is going to probably expedite their plans for uh a potential takeover of Taiwan. They're definitely going to probably put some economic sanctions on Taiwan to try to hurt the Taiwanese leadership, to try to create a wedge between the Taiwanese people and the Taiwanese leaders 
because there's a lot of economic ties between Taiwan and mainland and, and, and China. And so what they're going to try to do is, is, is put pressure there so that they can have political influence. Uh, their preference, I don't believe, is to invade. They don't want to invade. It's, it's something that they recognize would be costly and difficult, uh, but they're willing to do it. And I think this is the critical thing. They are willing to do it. Uh, this, I don't believe that, that this trip is going to be the thing that necessarily has them literally pull the trigger, but it's going to expedite some of the other pressure points that they're going to do diplomatically and economically. And for us, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to navigate that, and we're going to have to decide, what do we do about arming Taiwan? What do we do also as we try to make it harder for them to invade in some future point? We have to think about how do we diversify our supply chains and do things like, you know, the Intel plant here in Ohio. Part of the reason that this Intel is coming to Ohio, in fact, basically the main reason Intel is coming to Ohio is because they wanted to start building more chips over here in the United States and so that there can be a diversification away from having Taiwan because Taiwan has a good chunk of the highest end uh, microchip uh, fabrication or making of the microchips over there. And Ohio is right in the middle of that with, and Ohio's right in the middle of that with the Intel project there just outside of Columbus with that big deal that was signed. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and that the Intel would not be coming to Ohio if it wasn't for the threat of China. And that, let's just be real clear about it. It's a good thing for Ohio's economy. I think it's a great thing, but uh, it would not be happening without the threat of China. But the thing is, it's going to take several years for that to happen, and it's going to take years to build it. It's going to take years to staff it appropriately, uh, to do the kind of training we need to do, all the things that we need to be doing. And this is part of how you compete with China, is we've got to be doing more upskilling with our workforce here in America. We've got to be getting more people into uh, the science and engineering, because that's how we're going to compete. They, China, spends a lot of time putting their best and brightest into uh, science-based and engineering-type programs, and then they basically uh, push them into what amounts to service to the state, service or service to the party, uh, with, and to the state. And uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to start doing more of that to be competitive. I mean, they've got over a billion people; they're starting to decline in population. But they're still, you know, about six times our population, uh, or not quite six times, but uh, about five times our population. They've got a lot of smart people, hardworking people over there. And if they're being harnessed to the party, that is a challenge to us. They're already 80% of our economy. We've never, the United States, let me put this real clearly, the United States, ever since it became a superpower, has never, ever, ever faced a country that has an economy as large as that of China. Now, China has weaknesses. But that alone is something that should be sobering for folks. So we're going to have to do stuff at home to build up our workforce, improve our education, uh, which gets to a whole bunch of things that we've talked about before, Chris, about how do we improve education. Uh, we can't sit back. If we don't do it, they will be the ones writing the rules, uh, not us. Uh, and, it, and is that an outcome that can happen? You betcha it's an outcome that can happen. I think we still have a lot of tools at our disposal if we choose to use them, but that's going to require leadership. It's going to require political leadership in Washington. It's going to require political leadership in every state capital, and it's going to require uh, leadership of local communities and local businesses, smaller businesses, medium-sized businesses, and the people that haven't become infected uh, by Chinese spies, by institutions of higher education that don't take Chinese money to set up uh, Confucius Institutes on their university campuses like so many big universities do. These are all things we're going to have to do, and we got to get serious with it right now. If COVID doesn't tell you, if COVID and fentanyl doesn't tell you, this trip with Taiwan really should be a wake-up. Well, thank you for being my guest today, Greg. This has been a great and thoughtful discussion. Uh, with me has been Greg Lawson, and uh, he's been a contributing analyst to talk about the China-Taiwan situation. And again, folks, we urge you to pray right now. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, is there in Taiwan uh, China is doing some saber-rattling. It's a little bit of a tense time right now. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our leaders. 
And uh, we want to thank you for that, just to begin to intercede and open up your Bible. But, uh, folks, these are interesting times that we live in, as the old Chinese proverb goes. But it's also interesting for China as well. But we need to be praying. Thank you for listening to today's program. And if you missed any of the program, you hear it in its entirety your website at ohioca.org. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. And welcome back. And on this part of the program, we're going to be talking about training next generation's conservative leaders. And I'm so delighted to have our next guest on the program. It's Adam Josephek, who leads the Forge Leadership Institute. And we're going to learn about this great organization that just wrapped up a session at the Ohio State House teaching the next generation about public policy. Let me read you a little bit from their website. Leadership Summit, the Forge Leadership Summit, is a five-day intensive experience filled with dynamic trainings, professional development, and renowned speakers. Accepted students re represent talented conservative students and young professionals ages 18 to 25 from across America wanting to engage in politics, culture, and business. The Forge Leadership Summit is the first step in the Forge process. And with me on the phone is the director of the Forge Leadership Network, Adam Josephek. Adam, welcome to the program. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity to share with folks the exciting, uh, the exciting work going on with young conservatives in, in Ohio and our nation. Well, you're doing a great work, and actually uh, some of your graduates are actually serving in the Ohio State House right now as state representatives. So you've been doing this for a while, and uh, folks have already entered into uh, workforce. They've, worked, they've entered into public policy. Uh, actually into government roles uh, that have graduated from your leadership network. 
And this has been a great teaching tool for young conservatives going forward. It's a way to prepare these young people uh, to be the next generation of leaders. So let's uh, let's do a couple things. So tell us about how Forge Leadership Network got started. When was the start date for this great organization? No, thanks, Chris. Forge started in 2015. In 2015, in, in July of 2015, we had our first ever Forge Leadership Summit, where uh, young conservatives come together across Ohio, from across Ohio and across the nation, in order to receive that training in timeless principles. Uh, practical skills workshops, as well as then a simulated version of the campaign and legislative process. So uh, for the last seven years now, you've been doing the Leadership Summit and uh, Forge Institute. So um, give us an idea of the type of student that you recruit. And actually, students apply for this work uh, to actually be part of the summit and part of the training. How do they go about doing that? How do you get young people to uh, apply for uh, the summit and the institute? Yeah, that's, that's that's right. That's a great question. We have last week, so last week, for example, at the 8th Annual Forge Leadership Summit, we trained a, a record number of 90 uh, young Ohioans and, and young Americans um, in Columbus, uh, including at the Ohio State House and at a, a conference center nearby. Um, and, and those 90 found us uh, many through a direct referral uh, from alumni or someone of influence in their life who recommended them to us uh, for this program. About 20% of them uh, found us from social media advertising and marketing and other things, but but many of them found us because they're a Congress member, their state representative, their uh, aunt or uncle, their college professor, uh, or, or someone, their internship director, someone in their life knew about Forge, uh, knew the quality of the investment that Forge would have in their life, and then the conservative movement uh, as a result and, and recommended them for our program. So they applied online uh, and, and we got to know them a little bit and uh, through that and, 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 and selected uh, those 90 uh, who attended uh, and learned those timeless principles, learned practical skills like interviewing, networking, public speaking, resume coaching, and, and more, and took part in these, these experiences on the, the state house, uh, this mock government experience uh, and more. And of these 90, uh, we will choose in the next two weeks, we will choose about 40 or 45 of them, the top half, who will make a year-long mentorship intensive. So this is the Forge Mentorship Academy, and that is a year-long investment. It's really a year-long on-ramp into the conservative movement. So it's not a gap year. So they're back at their school or back at their job. These are 18 and 25-year-olds. So many are in college. Many are already in the workforce or uh, or for, for went in college in order to go right in the workforce. But they are back at their school or their job, but they are connected digitally for that year, hearing from, uh, hearing monthly from leaders in the conservative movement, uh, gathering together twice that year, reuniting twice that year, once in Israel for 10 days in order to see America's role in the world for policy, uh, as well as discover the biblical roots of their faith and walk in the footsteps of the disciples, the patriarchs, and, and, and Jesus himself, as well as then six months later, they will gather in Washington, D.C., one year after they have met at the Ohio State House, they will gather in Washington D.C. to understand, to better understand national uh, politics and policy, uh, better uh, come face to face with the movers and the shakers in our conservative movement nationally, and 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 more. So it's a it's a year filled with incredible experiences. It's also a year in which they are paired with a mentor, someone like yourself who's doing what they want to be doing in 10, 20 years, the principal conservative. Um, 
and and is excellent at what they do, whether that's in business law, the marketplace, uh, politics, or uh, even we've even had young people who are aspiring to run engineering firms or uh, to run their family farm. So so it's a it's been an incredible few years that that's kind of their journey through Forge for a young person. Here's what some of the uh, renowned people are saying. G- Congressman Jim Jordan said this, I'm proud to support the work uh, that Forge Leadership Network is doing to identify, train, and equip our state's best young conservatives. Together, we can empower the next generation of Ohio's conservative leadership to begin restoring our state and nation. But this is what Congressman uh, Johnson said about it. I'm excuse me, uh, Congressman Jordan. Also, uh, Tim Throckmorton of the National uh, actually, he's with Family Research Council. This is what uh, Pastor Throckmorton said. The incredible importance of Forge uh, Leadership Network simply cannot be stated loudly enough. He says, um, the future of faith, family, and religious freedom uh, will shape by what the next generation at, that this organization uh, will influence. So these are just what some of the leaders are saying about the tremendous work that you do at Forge Leadership Network. Now, as you stated just recently, you had the um, event at the Ohio State House. I'm looking at some of the pictures, actually. In fact, I'm seeing these young people that are actually sitting in the uh, Ohio General Assembly. Uh, they're on recess right now, and so you've uh, gotten clearance to be able to go in and take them in as to how uh, it would actually work for them to do a kind of a mock-up session of what it would be like uh, to be a state legislator, I think that's a great thing. In fact, I'm, I'm watching them sit. You know, I've worked in public <laughs> policy myself for uh, over uh, 20 years and have been involved a quarter century. I've never sat in one of those desks, uh, and uh, it's great to see the young people being able to do that. Explain to us, walk through uh, what that was like with the uh, uh, summit that you had that you just wrapped up with the 90. Yeah, those 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 90 spent uh, a week in Columbus, Ohio, and about a third of them. Third of them are about forty percent are from Ohio. Uh, another third are from the rest of what I'd call Big Ten country for your football fans and <laughs> college sports fans out there. From the rest of the Midwest, neighboring states, and then uh, the remaining twenty percent are from all over the country. We had California, Texas, Florida, uh, Arizona, and, and and even Maine represented uh, by students this year. Um, but uh, it's it's a great combination of of they're hearing from fantastic speakers. They heard from Vivek Ramaswamy author of New York Times bestseller, Woke Inc., about, about this whole kind of woke industrial complex, for lack of a better term, and, and corporate culture. They heard from um, legendary, uh, legendary American spy Jim Olson, who just retired from Texas A&M after, after teaching, after spending a, a lifetime, he and his wife, serving in our clandestine operations and, and being people of faith and, 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 and serving our country, uh, perhaps the most now well-known. Uh, spy in the, in the, the, the Cold War era. Uh, and they heard from other speakers in limited government. They heard from Katrina Mosley about the, the, the pro-life movement now that, uh, praise God, now that Roe is, has been overturned and, and, and what the next strategy is there. They heard from uh, people like Joseph Ackholm from Family Research Council on how to engage culture in a way that honors the gospel, in a way that is effective. Uh, and, and so, so they, they heard on, from speakers on limited government, ethics of life, economic freedom, uh, family, what, what some might call family and life issues, uh, and, and more. Uh, and they did a bunch of skills workshops in order to really uh, level up their their abilities uh, and more in, in media training and, and, and more. And then 
Yeah, we've been so blessed to have to be able to use the state house. Uh, Forge is a 501c3 educational nonprofit. We're not political. We're not. We don't lobby. We are. We are raising up these young people who want to go into uh, that public square and impact policy and culture. So as a result, the, the state house has been very generous to us and, and to younger student groups as well, um, high schoolers and even younger than that who are who are doing kind of mock legislative sessions in order to kind of get the full experience and the full feel of that and and. We have had uh, real estate representatives come in and coach the students as they're in their mock committees and as they have their mock uh, floor session on the House chamber, um, as they are trying to convince their colleagues, their fellow students, to pass the the the, the bills that they have drafted uh, coming into the week, uh, you know, mock or, or sample legislation. So it's a it's a lot like boys' state or girls' state, if any of your listeners are familiar with uh, those programs in, in public schools in Ohio. What I like is it's not just about those going into public policy or into uh, uh, running for office, but also going into various professions. You mentioned farming or those going into business. I think that's great because we need leaders in every, conservative leaders in every level of our um, culture right now. And as you stated, uh, really we see Wall Street has gone woke. I mean, you know, there was Occupy Wall Street a few Definitely. years ago. They don't have to w- occupy Wall Street. They've taken it over. Uh, Wall Street's been taken over by the woke uh, world, and uh, it, it, young conservatives find themselves, even in the own, their own uh, uh, climates for their own businesses and, and employment, they're finding themselves at a very difficult position because the corporation is pushing an LGBTQ, uh, very liberal agenda at, war, at the workplace, and young conservatives find themselves in a very uh, adverse environment. So I think what you're doing, Adam, is tremendous preparing these young people for what they're going to face and actually to become tomorrow's leaders. Let me read what Michael Ferris, the CEO of Alliance Defending Freedom, says about the uh, great work of Forge Leadership Network. He says, if we truly value our freedom as Americans, we must equip the next generation to fight for that freedom. Forge Leadership Network has stepped into the much-needed role of identifying and mentoring young conservative leaders. It's an honor to support their mission and work. Um, You have a lot of folks that uh, are leaders in their own right that recognize the importance and need to raise up the next generation of conservative leaders. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a very, very kind quote. These are are so generous. Reminding me just just how how much we've been the recipients of incredible generosity and how many people in the conservative movement and the, the Christian uh, movements in America really have a passion for paying it forward and investing in young people. And, and even what, uh, what, what Christians would, would call discipleship, right? Really friendship with a vision. How do you pour into the next generation so that they, they learn, uh, you know, what is true and, and, and how to you know, understand the times and what to do, right? As the men of Issachar, uh, as was said of them. But we, we have been so blessed by Michael Ferris and Jim Jordan and, and, and Tim Throckmorton, so many. Uh, and, and yeah, our, our big you know, premise, my, my, my co-founder, Justin Powell, and I, when we started Forge in 2015, it was, it was out of a desire. We were in our, our mid-20s, and we'd been involved in, in, in uh, conservative policy efforts and politics in Ohio and local campaigns, and we were kind of neck deep in state politics. And what we learned was, was, was that basically there, there was a real need for a farm team, to use a baseball term, you know, that in Major League Baseball, your, your Major League teams, as we sadly know in Cincinnati, <laughs> are only as good as their minor league talent development arm. 
Uh, and basically, we needed a pipeline in order to replenish, improve, and expand the ranks of the conservative movement in Ohio and other states. That really didn't exist, right? So we needed a way to cultivate young talent and plug that young talent, deploy that young talent into principled, faithful young conservatives, into the, the positions and the organizations uh, that, that were leading the way uh, in our states. And how, to, how do we you know, cross-generationally connect them with the leaders who have gone before them, who share their principles? Uh, and who wants somebody to come behind to carry the torch and to, to, to lead with them and to serve faithfully and well. So basically, uh, we thought there are a lot of great national trainings, but they were they're in conferences, but they were really a, either a one-off conference or a one-off training. And that's great, but there was no long-term follow-up. The other thing is we saw lots of young people who want to change the world, right? They're young, they're not cynical yet, and they want to change the world, but they get involved uh, in politics in Ohio or nationally, and they get burned out, disillusioned, or or frankly, compromised. Uh, they, they would have, you know, traded in their convictions for, um, you know, the fast track. And then we tried to figure out why. And then some of the things we realized was that a lot of times they get connected with folks who were both, they, they would get connected with folks who were really good at politics, but not, uh, did not have that integrity or, or, or were not principled conservatives and were just kind of in it for the game. Uh, or they'd get connected uh, to folks who maybe have the best of intentions and, and wonderful convictions, but maybe weren't the most strategic, uh, you know, leaders in our, our state or nation. So then they they would kind of just get discouraged that maybe they couldn't have that much of an impact. And we knew that wasn't true. So anyway, we we started Forge in order to both uh, raise up the next generation of conservative leaders and in the process uh, provide a farm team, provide a talent pipeline line for the conservative movement in the state. We're talking with Adam Josephek. He is the uh, co-founder uh, and president of Forge Network, Leadership Network. Adam, as I'm thinking about that, is you're really laying the groundwork within these young people to be the next statesman of the next generation. It's so important to have that integrity and have that faith and value that you carry with you into your work, whether it's in public policy, whether it's in business, whether it's uh, in some other uh, chosen occupation. It's so important to have these leaders of tomorrow be men and women of conviction. Let's talk a little bit about your staff because uh, you really go uh, uh, 724. Your your uh, 365 days a year is Forge Leadership Network. <laughs> this right. isn't just this isn't just one um, you know one summer session. You're doing this year round, and this work takes a lot of cultivation. And you have a team that's working with us uh, with you. Tell us a little bit about your uh, staff. Yeah, we have a, uh, we have a wonderful staff of, of folks who who have personally been invested in in the mission and vision of Forge to mentor, train, and connect the next generation of, of faithful conservative leaders, and 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 they work tirelessly to to put on incredible events like the the, the Forge Summit last week um, with these ninety students. We had we had an organization that came in to visit us, and and and. and and they said we have never in thirty years uh, we have never uh, seen an organization do an event like this on 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 the lean budget that you guys that you guys do this with. So we, we took that as a compliment. Uh, but uh, but we we my our staff is, is wonderfully innovative in that. But we yeah we're pouring into these students year round. So what we're doing when we don't have the major event in the, for the Forge Summit in Columbus and the Forge DC program and the Forge Israel program and the alumni reunion. What we're doing the rest of the year is helping them break down the doors for internships and jobs, the best internships and jobs in in the conservative movement. Helping them, uh, you know, uh, get hired by by people like you know Jim Jordan and Family Research Council and Heritage Foundation and Alliance Defending Freedom and others. Helping them, uh, you know, get uh, get interviewed and 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 become legislative aides. Uh, 
in the state house, right? The, basically becoming the chief of staff, the one staff person that every state representative in Ohio has. Uh, there are more and more forged grads in that position. So, so it's constantly uh, both a mentorship uh, and a training, but also really career services. And, and we are, I, 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 tease, I tease them because they're too young for this reference, Chris. I'm 33 and I, I love this movie, but I guess it's lost on, on Gen Z. But I say, you know, let us be your Jerry Maguire, <laughs> right? We will, we will help be your agent, right, to open opportunities because the, the sort of movement needs well-vetted, principled young people. Uh, and, and if they can trust that these young people have been through Forge, if they have that Forge you know, vetting on them. And then what young people need is, like we were saying earlier, is, is these young conservatives need uh, folks that they can work for who they can trust, you know, their intentions and their motives and also their, their, their you know, strategic skill. And so we are trying to bridge that gap for the conservative movement, especially in Ohio, but, but throughout our country to be able to connect the people who are wonderful mentors uh, and who are wonderful practitioners with the young people who want to be like them and want to have the impact like them in, in 20 years. That has been some some of the joy that I've had personally as uh, you know president of the Ohio Christian Alliance over the years is being able to have interns during uh, the summer during a campaign and then being able to uh, help these folks to uh, when they say, well, I'd like you to write an endorsement for me uh, for uh, this employment position that I'm I'm uh, right. seeking, and it's great to be able to do that or steer them towards, uh, you know, a direction maybe in Washington with a position or, like you say, with a congressman or state representative where they can serve, and it's great to see them go on. Let's talk about the Mentorship Academy. Tell us about that. What I'm reading here is the Forge Mentorship Academy is a year-long program offering experimental um, learning in national and international politics. Tell us about that. That's right. The Forge Mentorship Academy is, is really the, the heart of it all, to steal a phrase from our state. <laughs> um, the, 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 the Forge Mentorship Academy is a year-long investment in, in the standout attendees of the annual Forge Leadership Summit. So like I said, we had 90 last week that we trained. Out of that, 40 or 50 will be chosen for this mentorship program. And this mentorship program, is, it's not a gap year, so they are uh, back at their school or their job, but they are together digitally, they are going through, uh, it's a combination of a curriculum, connections, uh, which is one of those is a hand-picked mentor that they're paired with for six months, other connections or jobs and internships. So it's curriculum, uh, connections, and then it sees uh, incredible uh, experiences that they share uh, together in uh, Israel and D.C., so it's it's a it's a year long on ramp into the conservative movement. They have they will have experienced both national and international policy uh, to go on top of the state policy that they've learned at the Ohio in Ohio, um, and uh, they have developed the greatest friendships of their lives. So so Chris, uh, our alumni leave that year long mentorship program and graduate from that year long mentorship program, uh, testifying to four to four main outcomes. Those four main outcomes are that they feel equipped to enter the fray of public life. Uh, they have professional clarity or acceleration in, in their chosen profession or that they've, uh, that God has used that year to help them, to help them clarify what they want to be pursuing. Um, and that they've got the, the, the incredible friendships. These are the friendships needed to navigate the public square and public life faithfully and well. These are friendships that are marked by accountability. Uh, by by conviction, by uh, encouragement, and 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 more, uh, band of brothers and sisters, right? And then also that they have deepening faith or a newfound, you know, faith and identity in, in Christ. And so 
that year is incredible. Uh, they, they both have incredible experiences. They build life-changing relationships. And it's through that year that they are understanding what it means uh, through our curriculum uh, what it means to be both a, a citizen of heaven and a citizen of America and the responsibilities and the identity that comes with that. Uh, and so that, that curriculum is taught each year uh, by Dr. Monty Lobb, who I know is a friend of both of ours, um, from Ohio Christian University, who was former Assistant Secretary of State under Ken Blackwell. So, so they're learning from luminaries across our state and nation and uh, in having once-in-a-life experiences uh, like the one in Israel. Again, that is forgeleadership.org. Visit the website at forgeleadership.org, and maybe you have a young person that would like to apply for the summit and to get involved with the Forge Leadership team. And you can find out more information also by phoning them at 800-481-5024. Again, that's 800-481-5024. And again, that's forgeleadership.org. Adam, uh, we just have a few minutes left as we're talking about this. Um, so you just concluded with that. And one of the questions I had, uh, when they go to Israel, do they have a chance to meet with Knesset members there in Israel at, as part of that foreign experience? Sometimes they do, in fact. Yeah, they, they hear from archaeologists and diplomats and, and, and ballistics experts and rabbis and journalists and, 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 and you know pastors and, and even even folks who have been on different sides of the Israeli-Palestinian discussions and, and diplomacy. And it's, it's incredible. Our, our, this is all done thanks to Passages Israel, which is an organization that takes hundreds, even thousands of Christian college students to Israel each year in order to help them come face-to-face with um, the modern-day Israel, as well as discover the biblical roots of their faith, uh, which is an incredible program. We have an incredible partnership with them. They are dear friends. Many of our alumni have gone on to, to do fellowships with them, even work for them. Uh, and and more, but uh, yeah, but it's tremendous that 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 the, the access they have to leaders there is incredible. That's awesome, um, Adam. Give us the information again how yeah. um, parents and young people can apply and get more information from Lord uh, Forge Leadership uh, Network. That's right. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Chris. If you're listening, you can go to forgeleadership.org, F-O-R-G-E leadership.org, in order to apply, in order to recommend a student, in order to get involved. And you can follow us on social media. Any of your favorite social media uh, platforms, our, uh, our handle is at Forge Leadership. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Adam. Uh, this is great work that you do, and uh, we're going to be sending some young people your way for the next summit, and also through the uh, mentorship that you do. You're doing a great job, and I know it's uh, just growing each year, and I'm so glad uh, you know that uh, you're here in the Buckeye State, but you are nationally on this project, and it's so needed right now uh, because of everything that is besetting our young people. They're being besieged on every level in schools and public school. And it's great to see a strong conservative network like the Forge Leadership Network really helping mentor tomorrow's young leaders that will take uh, the stage uh, when many of us will be in our senior years. It will be good to know that there is groups like Forge Leadership and yourself and the team that are helping mentoring these young people. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thanks, Chris. It was a a real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. God bless. And again, that's ForgeLeadershipNetwork.org. 
and uh, you can phone them at 800-481-5024. If you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Thanks. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.